The following show will contain spoilers, but trust us, you'll want to hear about it anyway. What is this, Pride? Move these people back. Welcome to Subversive Cinema. Oh my god! I never forget a face. Especially if I'm sad on it. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, Art Hall, and I'm here to be your wrangler of the weird, your Sherpa of the strange, and your docent of the disgusting. And today's movie is a real treasure. We are here to talk about 1987's Necromantic. And to do that, the most wonderful sport in the world, my (laughs) almost perfect, beautiful wife, Ashley is here. Hi, Ashley. Hello, hello, hello. So uh, you've never seen this movie, right? No, not until today. Have you ever heard of it? No. And are you happy I made you watch it? Happy is a word. Not one I would use, but it's a word. Excellent. Yeah. (laughs) So... As you will see, we're going to get all into Necromantic. Uh, what I could say is it's a lovely date movie. I highly suggest it for all you lovebirds out there. Yes. It's definitely a test to see if you two are meant to stay together. Definitely a Valentine's Day classic, I'd say, from now on. Oh, yes. So that'll be our annual thing. <laughs> oh, boy. So let's see. Necromantic, as I said, 1987, directed by George Butter Garrett. Garrett? Sorry, the German names, I'm going to butcher So German. Them. I'm so butcher German. All the German names. <laughs> and written by George and Franz Rodenkirchen. Uh, it tells a story of drippy things, guts, corpses, and some really, really weird sex. It tells the story of Robert Schmadke and his girlfriend, Betty. Robert is one of those... Crime scene, car accident, cleanup guys, works for an independent company in Germany where they go out to accident sites and they clean up all the corpses. So we get to meet this couple in the very beginning of the movie. They're driving. They get into an accident. They die. And then, boom, we're introduced to Robert and his crew as they come to clean up all the the mess with their very high-tech trash bags. And by the way, they don't wear fucking gloves. So that's awesome. The trash bags were my favorite. Yes. Black trash bags as body bags. It's wonderful. (laughs) So, you know, this guy, Rob, he decides, I'm going to take home some random treasures from this car accident, like an eyeball and perhaps a tongue, random little tchotchkes. And he puts them on the shelf. He he stores them and then he sits there and remembers about his past. And this is going to be very important. He he remembers, I guess, uh, an, I, I'm guessing he grew up on a farm or something, a rabbit that is uh, slaughtered, which, by the way, for all you kids out there, trigger warning, as they say, <laughs> there is an actual animal killing in this movie. So warning about that, the rabbit gets killed on film. Yep. So he remembers his past. And then this guy goes and in and we cut away from him and then we see this random dude playing with the weirdest gun i've ever seen listening to some of the most german music like so german i would have swore that only americans would have put this in there saying this is what german people listen to because it was so stereotypical he's drinking playing with a gun fires it kills a guy who's his neighbor his neighbor yeah 
And instead of doing the right thing, because fuck it, it's Germany and he's drunk, he <laughs> doesn't call the cops. He puts him in a wheelbarrow and he gets rid of the body. Well, cut to again, our boy Rob and his crew find the body in a marsh. It is decayed to all hell. And he is left with the task to get rid of the body. So what does he do? Like any good willed person, he takes that body home for him and Betty to play with. And this is where things get really interesting. So they go back and they have a threesome with this corpse to rival the threesome from the movie, Threesome. And don't worry, it gets really sassy. They cut a piece of a rod down to use as a, as a dick. They put a condom on it because you got to be safe. Yeah. So they have this wonderful time with this dead dude. His eyeball falls out. It's, it's wonderful. Well, next thing you know, he gets fired. And all of a sudden, this, this way of getting corpses and body parts is no longer available to Betty. So she's like, fuck it. I'm out. So she leaves. And she takes the corpse with her because that is the worst thing you could do to a man. Well, he finds out she left him. He murders this cat that he just brought home as a gift for her. Don't worry. That is actually staged. Then, you know, he goes to a horror movie and he finds that, you know, it's just too disgusting to him because apparently killing things for, you know, humans on film is too gross, but fucking corpses is okay. Uh, Let's see. Then he self-medicates, has a weird trippy dream about running in a field. And next thing you know, he goes to see a hooker, can't get up with her. So he strangles her, has sex with the corpse, wakes up, kills the the groundskeeper. groundskeeper. There it is. And he realizes that now it's it's just too far gone for him. So the film <laughs> climaxes with him <laughs> creating, um, committing seppuku and getting a raging heart on while he's stabbing himself in the guts, to which we are then, as the audience, treated to this geyser of jizz and blood from this prosthetic penis. It's so juicy. Very juicy. So juicy. Uh, and then we're we cap it off with a quick cut of his grave being dug up, and we think it is his girlfriend Betty back because now he's interesting to her as a dead man. So that's pretty much the story. All right. So now you know what's going on. So what we're here to do is figure out why, how subversive is this movie. We're going to discuss the subversive sauce, and the ingredients of that subversive sauce are compounded by character, story, and what the fuck factor. So Ashley, let's talk about the characters. What characters stood out to you and why? So it took a good 30 minutes because I even had to ask at what point was it 30 minutes for me to finally figure out the name of the character, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I I needed to know what time it was because Ah. I had no, there were no, there's very, very, very little dialogue in this entire movie. So even though it's, it's German and there's subtitles, doesn't really matter. There's very, very little talking anyway. Um, but what was the question? This movie. <laughs> what characters? What okay. characters were you interested? That interested you and why? Honestly, so I at first thought that the couple driving was going to be um, the main characters. So, you know, literally opening scene, person pulls down their 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 pants and starts to pee and I'm like oh who's this guy and then a second later you realize oh who's this girl peeing on the side of the road but then they both crash and die and I'm like oh okay so they're not the main characters and then you meet the 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 sunshine cleaning crew mm-hmm. which I loved the name Joe's street cleaning agency yes. um <laughs> yeah um yeah but pretty much I mean Rob and Betty are the two really the only characters 
in the movie for more than a few minutes. So I'd have to say, you know, Rob left a pretty big impression, especially with that end scene. (laughs) Giggity. Well, I'll tell you, uh, one guy who stood out to me uh, was Rob's dick of a boss, Bruno, played by Harold Lunt. And uh, I really uh, appreciated him because not only was he a reckless ball breaker with a bad mustache, but he dribbled a lot when he urinated because we are treated (laughs) to on-camera urination, people. It's wonderful. And it dribbles. So he might have had a Prince Albert at one point in his life. So uh, for those of you who have one and you're thinking of taking it out, you're just going to have to stand a little bit closer. So I like Bruno. I also (laughs) got to give it up to, as they give him in the credits, Man With Gun, played by Volker Hauptvogel. (laughs) Because he was just the most, I don't know, it it was funny. He was the most American thing I could have seen in a German movie with a guy just polishing off beer after beer and playing with a loaded firearm with his gun in the backyard and then shooting at birds so terribly that he shot his neighbor yes i like that he does aim high up in the sky for birds yet somehow manages to fire directly into the tree line into the neck yes to peg his neighbor so (laughs) peg his neighbor So you, so you, okay, but were there any other small characters that seem to stand out to you for any reason? I thought that the, at the very end, when he goes to the movie theater, I thought that the guy in front of him that bought three beers and a movie ticket was going to have a bigger part. I was really hoping that he was going to be like a, another victim or something, but no, he was just a little side character, man, getting beers at the movies. Yeah. He was my hero. Telling telling him to move the fuck out of the way because he was in his his line of sight and that weird is that a real german movie that they were No, watching? no, that okay. is actually not. That was uh, something that Cuz I wrote that down as what kind of weird halloween scream the shining feel it had. I Yeah. Like it, it was it wasn't quite snuff and then I found it very weird in that movie theater that when the woman started to get what sounded like rape sounds, everyone started to get turned on. Yes, that was a little strange how when the killer was taunting her with his knife that all the guys and the girls in the, in the theater uh-huh. suddenly started getting started really turned like, on. Like the, the women started to like snuggle up to their partners and the guys were like, <laughs> I'm like, what? What? Hmm, what? Okay, I'm sorry, Germany. I need to ask what's going on. Um, I will tell you that the sound of the screaming at the end of that scene when he was leaving the theater where it takes a very definite turn that is from an actual movie uh that i have seen called zombie 2 it sounded like a cat screaming well at the point in time during that particular sequence in zombie 2 they pulled that audio a woman is having her head pulled towards a splinter that goes into and through her eye So, so there you go it was very it was very odd Yes, it was yeah. it was a bit strange. Um, there was this movie is certainly not without its fair share of interesting visuals. Not talking about necessarily the grotesque things, but the, it seems like the the director had some sort of motif in mind with kites in the air, um, playing catch with a severed head, or throwing it's intestines like, around. Whimsical at times, like like yes, like fever dream, but but there it wasn't a dream or it was a dream but yeah there was when he would throw the the guts around when he was uh, after he took some of the the drugs and the alcohol 
he just seemed like he was having a grand old time in his mind he was living his best self you know yeah why not all right so we got some good characters here so what about the story so did the story make any sense to you yes but (laughs) again it was there was very very just little dialogue so it was more of I feel like just going through a script like there wasn't a lot of talking so it was just a lot of very random visuals um but no but it all came together in a storyline that makes sense like it's you can there's a beginning and an end and you understand the plots (laughs) understand um but it was just a very interesting movie yes one that i'm very glad was only an hour 10 minutes long uh yeah it's it's certainly um uh, look the the sequel is about 30 minutes longer oh good yeah maybe maybe we'll do that next time maybe yeah no i i think that for the most part the story i mean i guess if you connect the dots it makes sense it's easy to follow in that regard but um but yeah there's just something weird about this world where i'm wondering if he was just trying to be strange funny or if he's making a commentary about germany in the 80s but this this seeming connection between sex and violence it's uh it's very weird it's very weird and and gore and joy but like rob has a very easily progressive insatiable lust like where at the very first sex scene where they where they they him and betty do it with the the weird corpse i even wrote down like oh it's a match made in heaven but then you realize (laughs) like it's no it's her that's much more um assertive with wanting the corpses because she even says you know he's no good once he loses his job so he goes from you know just like the body part man to you know, getting pieces, getting eyes, getting tongues, and then progressively does get more, more worse. That's not, that's not good. <laughs> but that's what I'm going with. Where well, he it's okay. With, we'll, we'll forgive you. You have pregnancy brain right now. I do. I do. Words don't come easy, but you know, all the way to, you know, killing a hooker and then slicing the head off the groundskeeper once he finds them and then literally killing himself just to get this explosion of a boner, which was great to watch um you know there's at least that there like a a progressive you can see it get worse and him get worse and worse and worse so at least that part of the plot worked sure (laughs) we can go with that we can go with that so really the thing with this movie is it is i think it's got the final final category wtf in spades um yeah I feel like almost every every scene has something that makes you stop and say, what the fuck did I just watch? Or am I watching? Um, though I will admit that for an hour and 10 minutes or 11 minutes, that 11 minutes felt very padded out. I feel like that was composed of, I mean, first we see the similar footage. We see the rabbit slaughtering from front to back. And in the very end... It all goes in reverse, uh, where he is now cutting himself and he's having the most amazing orgasm of his life. It is like he is finding life again through death as we see this juxtaposition between his actions and then the footage of the rabbit getting unskinned because it's playing in reverse. Stuff like that 
that played out for minutes. So that felt like that was padding the runtime. And then you have these random interludes of just fields and shit. I don't know. I felt like it was. Um... But to go back with what you said, like what you just said, because there was that random scene where he was hammering the Jesus to the cross. And he was wearing a fake crown he, in his head. And he yeah. had the crown in his head. And I'm, and I even wrote, you know, is he being like reborn? Like, is he now like, you know, instead of being this, you know, meek side character of Betty's fantasies that he's now his own, he's, he's, he's come into his own skin. And then, you know, that's when he really does get more, uh, violent or you know he, he's able to you know kill the hooker kill the guy kill himself like he he was able to like instead of worrying about satisfying someone else he was able to finally self-satisfy self-gratification i guess that's the real word yeah maybe i don't uh, know that was, it a... was a very weird little jesus thing visual i agree it was an interesting set of visuals that i wasn't quite sure about that was uh because everything else, at least whenever it got weird, it would be justified because he's asleep or he's high or drunk. But that felt like it wasn't bookended by anything, so it had to have been a legitimate moment, I'm guessing, even though it felt very hallucinogenic and yeah. surreal. But I, I, but I, before I forget, I, I don't want to gloss over the fact that when Betty leaves Rob and she writes this heartfelt note... She wrote, I'm taking our friend, which was the corpse. And he he looks at the wall and has a flashback to where the corpse was. And the corpse is no longer there. But I just like how she wrote our friend. Yes, taking our so friend. Heartwarming that, you know, his friend is now gone. It's, it's And on top of that, you know, the wall is barren with just a stain from where the corpse had been hanging. Uh, which it was leaking. I like how much blood was coming out of this very decomposed corpse. Well, I think I think it was everything. I think it was just generalized body goo. You know, there's a lot of liquid. Already there. sunken in and pretty much a skeleton. No, he had his some guts on the inside. If you look where his his junk was, there was some intestines dangling out of there. Sure, we'll uh, go with that. <laughs> I know you kept covering your eyes. It's okay. Uh, so, yeah, some WTF things. I mean, one thing overall, I have to say, the music felt so fucking weird. It was so joyful and so romantic and so spirited. It was a purposeful juxtaposition. See, they categorize this movie as a horror, but there was nothing horrific about it. In fact, it was absolutely hilarious. Um, from the again, <laughs> Laugh the, out loud. It was. The, the, you know, the, German, the German music, and then you have this incredibly soft and sensual romantic ballad playing while they're having their three-way with the corpse. And when she had the one-on-one with the corpse and yeah. was, you know, keeping it down low, she, there was some romantic music going on. It, I mean, it, the music just made no sense, but it was wonderful. It was such a wonderful choice. I, I liked another WTF factor was um, all the bones that adorned their apartment, such as, the, the bedpost sides were made of like femurs. There was uh, bones hanging from like lamps and lights. It, 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 you almost wouldn't see it. But then all of a sudden you'd be like, oh, that's a bone. That's a yeah. bone. That's a bone. <laughs> like, like it made it just seem like you realize, oh, they've been doing this longer than 
the then then the movie showed. You know, there there was body parts. There was bones everywhere. It was their thing. It was. It, it was really looked there. like Ed Gein was their interior decorator. It was certainly yeah. very. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, that and we talked about, they don't wear gloves in this job. No. Yet they're rifling through innards and severed limbs and handling corpuses of various states of decay with no gloves. I do like, though, where he even says, you know, hey, bring me the body bags and then just pulls out black trash bags. Yeah, he, he practically pulls just out a roll of glad bags. Yes, trash bags. And like when when the woman at the beginning is cut in half and they're just picking up parts and putting them into the trash bags and then carrying them over their shoulder. Like they're just they didn't even try. They're just no, it makes me wonder how this particular uh, company won the contract from this Any town contracts. in Germany, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But you know what? Germany in the 80s, maybe they only had black trash bags. Could be. Could be. Different time. Different yeah. time, different world. Yeah. I, I also like how you pointed out that Rob wore his coveralls home. His <gasps> coveralls covered in blood and goo. He wore them home like their clothes. And I have expected him to take them off and be in his underwear for it to be justified. But no, he takes it off and he has fucking clothing underneath of this, yet he's wearing it. But his it. sweatshirt was on top yes. and zipped up. And then he like gets home, unzips his sweatshirt. And I'm like, wait, his coveralls are covered in blood. And yeah, then he takes off his coveralls and he's wearing his clothes. And I'm like, but why did those have to come home? Ew. But then again, ew, the whole movie. Bruno was wondering, you know, he expects you to take your clothes home because he didn't like when Rob left his coveralls in the locker. That's true. His uh, narc of a coworker that's like this dirty guy over here keeping his shit in his locker. Yeah. It's like, what does that smell? I don't know. Ask Rob. Fire him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then they go upstairs to to the owner of the company who is essentially the kind of guy who would own a porno shop. Would uh, Never wears a shirt, smokes, has his gut tucked out be- over his pants and between his spenders. Yeah, yeah. It's uh this this movie's just full of texture and character. <laughs> Any other WTFs that really stood out to you? Other than the whole thing, because you know, that's that's other weird. than the whole thing. I mean, I, I, I could I could spend an unlimited amount of time just about that that end scene where he, you know, stabs himself in the gut and that that very, very albino boner that is sticking out of his pants that is just squirting everything everywhere with such intensity i mean it was the ending of all endings for him for the movie for climaxing it was it was it was perfect it was as perfect as this movie can be i just appreciate that he picked the rustiest dullest knife yeah his his final standoff and he realized have. he couldn't do it unless he he whipped it out. You know, yeah. he was just too scared to do it, restrained. <laughs> and yet somehow he had the presence of mind to do it that way. I so. think he figured, why not, if this is the ultimate necrophilia moment, he get why not enjoy it till the last moment? I guess that is interesting in that this does that moment does sort of bridge the gap between what is generally accepted, you know, uh, well alive and well intercourse and necrophilia, where this is now essentially boning 
the gap, the divide, the transition, having sex Boning between life and death. But yeah, like why waste this good, you know, suicide of yourself and and not enjoy it mid I, It was just weird, but I liked it. But it was weird. Yes, yes. One thing though that that I noticed on the opening credits that cracked me up is one of the character one of the the actresses all it said was Beatrice M. And all I thought was this girl does not want her full name on the credits. It's not like, you know, Zendaya who only goes by, you know, one name or share. Like, no, this girl at the very end was like, you know what? Just put my initial. No yeah. one will find me. But I thought that was funny that I was like, Haha. I even wrote, ha ha. She didn't want her full name in the credits. <laughs> and, and yet, you know, that is actually Beatrice Manowski because she played Betty. And as with all things in time, truth will surface. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, IMDb, for that. Uh, mm-hmm. And she does reprise her role in part two. I didn't know there was a part two, and my life is now complete. Same director, part two. That's right. We got so more next, things to look forward to. So next season on Submersive Cinema. That's right. <laughs> So let's get to the real nitty-gritty important question here. How subversive do you think this movie was, realistically? You know, is there a scale? Is there a number scale? Yeah, we just go 1 to 10, but it's pretty arbitrary. I mean, it's not like there's a right or a wrong answer. Um, Just because it's fun, I'm going to give it a 6.9. Okay. Because other than the, the, the real rabbit killing, which to me was too much like I'm I'm taking that out of of the movie um it it was I think because it wasn't like too horror or gross it was just pretty like ew ew that's weird like oh that's really gross you know it was just enough that it was it was okay but I didn't have to like which happens Okay. Well, that was a very interesting way of describing it. Uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go just a smidge less. I will agree on the 6 part because there's certain things about it that most definitely catch you by surprise. You don't see it coming and it most definitely bucks some convention. You know? No, nope, I'm going to change my mind. It does buck convention a lot. This is a movie that's grandizing banging corpses. I'm going to give it back to 7. So we're going to take your 6.9 round round it up to a 7. I, I mean, I just, how could I not give it a 6.9? Of about... course, it's, you know, well, they didn't do it, though. If they would have done that with the corpse now, that would have been amazing. Well, we haven't seen part two. That's true. We have all sorts of things that we can look forward to. <laughs> I will say that if you have not seen Necromantic, you need to try and find it. I think, yeah, grab grab your loved ones, um, not the children grab you know your 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 boyfriend your girlfriend and and snuggle up on the couch and and really enjoy this movie together with a bucket of popcorn and pretend they're eyeballs because there's a lot of eyeballs sucking in this movie a lot of eyeball sucking and and slurping of yeah so yeah. you know enjoy there's, it. there's all sorts of good stuff so here's the deal. This movie is old, as I said. It's 87. So to find I was it's one little... when it came out. You were. <laughs> it's 
it's it's a little tricky if you look around you can find it on amazon for um, dvd and blu-ray uh looks like they might and have had some down uh as a limited stock but look around you can find it i don't believe it's streaming anywhere but necromantic 1987 directed by george Butgerite. and yeah so check that shit out uh before we go Ashley, do you have anything you'd like to share with our uh, listeners? Uh, anything at all? I'm just so glad that I got to be a part of this wonderful show to watch such a wonderful movie. Not at all sarcastic. Yeah, it didn't sound sarcastic at all, my dear. But, you know, honey, I would do anything for you. So Thank you. I want to give a big round of applause virtually to my wonderful, almost perfect wife, Ashley, for joining me. Thank you so much. Where am I not perfect? I'd like to know what what this almost is. So with that, I bid you all adieu (laughs) and stay subversive. (laughs) Bye. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us a review and a five-star rating at your preferred podcast provider. Tell a friend so they can check it out too. And follow us on Instagram at subversive underscore cinema for more content. Subversive cinema.